Good morning, Heart Church. How's everybody doing? Uh, so excited to have you here on Facebook Live. And so just a, a quick recap. Again, my name is Shane Rogers. I'm the pastor of Heart Church. And um, we're a small community here in the heart of Escondido. And we started three weeks ago to uh, do an outdoor service at 9 a.m. And you're invited to that any Sunday that you'd like to come and join us. We're at uh, 215 South Hickory Street. And uh, we, we do that service from 9 to 10. And then afterwards, I walk across the parking lot right here to this little studio, which is our sanctuary, to, to film this message because I know that there are some that are out of town. Um, there are some that are here in town and not quite um, comfortable yet to come out. And so we want to make sure that you get a message that's preached uh, for this weekend, for now, for our congregation. And if you call Heart Church home, uh, we're so glad you're, you're, you're joining in in this way. Uh, if you're visiting, maybe you're watching right now live, maybe you're going to watch this in a day or a couple of days. We're so glad you came to join us. We'd love for you to click on the link and get to know our church a little bit more online. Or like I said, come on out uh, at 215 South Hickory Street, 9 a.m. for our outdoor services on Sunday. All right, we're going to dive in. You ready? We've been in a series, and the series is called You're Too Powerful to Live Powerless. You're too powerful to live another day powerless. And our staple verse is Galatians chapter 5. It says it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. So don't let uh, the enemy ensnare you again in a yoke of bondage. And this whole mini-series comes from Jesus finding this man at the, at the pool. And this man's like totally paralyzed. Not physically, although he has physical ailments, but in his mind, he's stuck. And Jesus comes to him and says, you don't have to be stuck anymore. And I believe that he comes to us and says the same thing, that you don't have to be stuck anymore. And so um, we talked about a couple of different chains that the enemy uses to steal our power, steal our confidence, steal our ability to walk victorious. The first one is shame connected to our identity. And the enemy comes, puts that chain on our leg and says, no, you're stuck. Second one is fear. Um, that's really relevant in today's day and age. Fear, and, we, and he causes us to be stuck in fear, anxiety, um, worry, and he does that in our circumstances. And so we talked about that last week. And this week, we're actually hitting a really significant one, and that's the chain of offense connected to our relationships. Offense connected to our relationships. So buckle up, because this one is... A big one. The enemy uses our hurt to bring the chain of offense. See, I believe Jesus came to this man to heal him, to set him free. But it wasn't from a physical ailment. It, it, was, it was an emotional state because this man had been victimized by other people. In fact, the way that he repeated himself over and over to Jesus, when Jesus said, hey, God, come to heal you. And, and this man said, uh, well, that's fine, but, but I have no one to help me. And when I get up, this man cuts in front of me. And so you could tell that he was victimized by the, his surroundings and by people. And as I was preparing this message, I was sort of asking myself, and I'd like to ask you, has Jesus ever lived a day in his life victimized? When he lived for 33 years on this earth, did he ever live one single day as the victim? No. In fact, when Jesus went to the cross, he said himself that no one takes my life. I lay it down. 
Now, if you watched The Passion of the Christ, you would come up with a different narrative because I'd say there was a lot of people that took his life. There's a lot of people that did very horrible things to him. And yet Jesus' declaration was, I am a victim to no man and no thing. I get to choose. And my choice is to lay my life down. Jesus never lived as a victim. And when we live in offense, we are giving power to other people to victimize our life and steal our power. See, powerlessness often feels like power because powerlessness disguises itself in very powerful emotions like anger, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, And these are ways that we control the narrative. And so it makes us feel powerful temporarily. So when other people are doing things to us that we don't like, then we control the situation and we lash out in resentment, in bitterness and anger. And it makes us feel temporarily like we have a sense of protection and control. It's almost like our protection or comfort blanket or binky. And yet the, the control that we feel is an illusion. And in fact, it's the opposite. It's controlling you. And I'm sure you've heard um, this said, that, that forgiveness is often more for you than for the other person. Because when you live in resentment, when you live in those powerful emotions, they begin to control your life. And so I want to talk about two things. And I'm going to kind of get real. I'm going to tell some stories. But I want to talk about two separate things regarding offense. Now, we could spend a whole week on this. We could, we could uh, uh, have a whole year worth of series on this topic, but I just want to dial in two specific ways that I believe we can move forward. One is a day-to-day. Um, we live in a world that's just offended. I mean, if, if you're not easily offended by something, you're the minority. Uh, whether it's stuff online or just the lens that people see the world through right now, is one person says something and you see through the lens of offense and you're just, you just take offense to everything. And um, I want to teach you how to day-to-day not allow offense to affect your life. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 18 are both just amazing scriptures as it relates to dealing with people. Um, the first idea, though, is keep your accounts short Keep short accounts and drop the offense. Keep short accounts. My youth pastor growing up always used to say, keep short accounts. Don't let anything get in between your relationships. And when something does, when, not if, when something gets in front of you, deal with it immediately and it won't take root. In fact, he often, this is a shout out to Tim Wimberly if you're watching this, he would often uh, literally shut down our youth group in the middle of worship. And he would say, Hey, let's, let's deal with, with, with offense. Let's deal with reconciling one another. Let's have hard conversations. Why? Because of Matthew chapter 5. It says this in verse 23. So if you're standing before the altar in the temple offering a sacrifice to God and you suddenly remember that someone else has a sacrifice, uh, that, that someone else has something against you, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Come to terms with your enemy before it is too late. Um, When when I uh, took a road trip recently, I I drove um, through seven states uh, trying to go pick up a trailer for my family. And 
One of the states that I drove through that I had never been in was Nebraska. Nebraska is filled with two things, cows and corn. Far as the eye can see, rolling hills and cows and corn. And I was amazed by it. I didn't actually know this, but um, Nebraska is kind of known for its beef. Um, the, uh, um, uh, Omaha Steaks is like a big company coming from Nebraska because of the way that they do cows. But what I was noticing when I was driving past, like literally far as the eye can see, rolling green hills, is that there was a fence around every one of these properties. And I'm talking, you know, a thousand acres. And they took the time to build this fence around it. I was thinking, why is there a fence around all those acreage? And then I realized there's cows. Got to keep the cows in. But they, they created this huge space for these cows to roam. And what I noticed immediately was the size of these cows. They're huge. They're fatty. They're just incredible. Even the colors in their skin, like the browns and the dark browns, the light browns, they just seemed more vibrant. In fact, I pulled over to the side of the road a couple of times because I was like, literally like breathtaking view of these pastures. I tried to take a couple of pictures, but it didn't do me justice. It was incredible the way that Nebraska does cows because they have all this land and they eat real grass and not antibiotics. And if you know, you know, drive up and down California and you see cows, it's like they're, they're in some tiny little pen on the dirt with each other and, and eat, not even eating real grass. And, and consequently, the cows are not as healthy as they are in Nebraska, the way that God meant it for them to roam, literally roam the beautiful countryside. And, and the Lord spoke to me and he said that we were not created to allow a fence to cage us in. And I actually have, have some illustrations here and that's these, these, these chairs that I'm going to use as like kind of a an example of a fence. Imagine these are our fence posts. And when, when we have a fence, we literally build a fence around our life. And, and these are sometimes just small incidental things that people do to us to, to make us feel hurt, frustrated, unmet expectations is a breeding ground for frustration, breeding ground for offense. Somebody said something, somebody did something, and we get a fence post and we put it in place. And it's just setting on the ground. And, and then there's something else that happens. And we think we're building a safe place for us to live. We feel secure. But just like those cows, God created us to live in a broad space, but we confine ourselves by building a fence around our lives. And all of a sudden, it, uh, we become like this man at the pool, paralyzed, victimized, scared to, to trust again, to reach out again. Because if you love deeply, then you get hurt deeply. And so stuff happens. And so I want to give you some quick, simple advice. And that is keep short accounts. This, that, this works in your marriage. This works with your family. When something happens and, and an offense gets put into place, deal with it immediately. That's what the Bible says. Have a hard conversation. Because if we don't, if something happens and some offense gets, gets placed there, then if we don't deal with it, then our imagination starts taking over. And all of a sudden, this 
fence post that was just kind of put in place all of a sudden starts getting wiggled deeper and deeper and deeper because of our imagination. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that we should take captive every thought and every wild imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and that we're supposed to cast down those strongholds the way that the enemy leverages your imagination about the intentions of people, things that happen, things that your wife or your husband did, or your kids, and all of a sudden, we take something that could have been removed very easily by a hard conversation, and instead, it becomes one post that ultimately will build an offense around us that keeps us bound. And so, we, we take this offense and we use it and, 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 and I don't know if this happens to you, it happens to me in the shower. Like I'll re- nurse and rehearse stuff that happened, stuff that people said. I'll, that, that videotape will play in my mind. And it's like we're wiggling this fence post deeper and deeper. And all of a sudden, it doesn't even represent what really happened. But in my mind, it's larger than life. And so the Bible calls us to deal with our accounts quickly Keep short accounts in every one of our relationships. The enemy wants nothing more than for us to bury it, talk to our friends about it, stew over it, and our imagination does the rest. What could have been resolved by a simple conversation becomes this fence that now confines our life, restricts our life, restricts the the, the life that God created us to live because you know as well as I do that, that forgiveness is often more for you than for them. And so the enemy wants to, us to live in a confined space and God's created us just like those cows roaming the countryside to live in a broad space. And so keeping our accounts short, dealing with it immediately, having those hard conversations, never allowing anything to stand between you and another person if it's all possible. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says this. Put on tender mercy, kindness, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must also forgive others. When you keep short accounts, it allows the other person to live in a broad space. And this is what I love, and I learned this in marriage counseling, that There's something that beautiful happens when you allow the other person to live in a broad space. In other words, when you see them as they see themselves, when you really see them, not through the lens of offense. See, when you allow little things to to get in your way and you live offended, then you're all of a sudden seeing people through the lens of offense. And so somebody does something and, and it's, it's well-intentioned. But to you, it's just another fence post and it's driving it deeper and deeper. And so you can't see clearly. And not only are you boxed in, but it creates a very small space for others. And I, want you to, I don't want you to miss this. It creates a small space for others to live. It's almost like they can't win around you. Have you ever had somebody that um, you... you you never felt like you could do enough around them. You can never win with them 
because they've created for you a very small space to live. And more than likely, it's because there's some kind of barrier between you and them, and it's causing them to not see you correctly. It's the worst feeling in the world to not be viewed correctly. Somebody viewing your intentions or, or, or your desires, your feelings differently than they actually are. And so when we allow things in between us, then it, it, it fogs our view of others. And the Bible says that when we make allowance for other people's faults, it's almost like God saying, allow others to live in that huge pasture in Nebraska where there's a fence, but it's a fence that's all the way around these thousand acres and you get to roam. I'm making allowance for you. You don't have to be perfect around me. You don't have to walk on eggshells around me. I know you. I know your heart. And if you do offend me, if there is a moment where something gets put there, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to address it right away. I'm going to say, you know what? I love you. You probably didn't mean this. When this happened, it made me feel this way. But I don't want anything to stand between you and me because I want to live in a broad place and I want to let you live in a broad place that God created you to be. See, the enemy wants us to stay in a place where we're afraid to be intimate. We're afraid to risk again because we don't want to be hurt. And so we create a fence around our life because we think we're safe. And in reality, the enemy's winning. The enemy is stealing your power. The enemy has a chain around your leg. And every time you want to get close to somebody, every time you want to risk again, and every time you want to dive into a, a, a new adventure, that chain, you're dragging it. You're dragging it along and it's keeping you in a really small space. And God did not create you to live there. He created you to live a victimless, powerful life. And so the first idea that we talked about is simply keep short accounts and drop the offense. Keep short accounts. Don't, don't carry stuff over. Deal with it. Have conversations. Listen, don't be passive. Man, that, passivity is, is the enemy to intimacy. We have to be willing with our friends and family and the people in our lives to be able to speak the truth in love, have real conversations and say, listen, I love you. I'm not going to let anything stand between us. So I'm not going to passively hang out with you, but not really tell you what I really am thinking or how I really feel Let's be real. Let's be transparent. So the last thing, and this is kind of where I want to land the plane. And this is, this is the second part of offense. The first is day to day. It has to do with little things. It has to do with just not letting a bunch of little things get in the way. And all of a sudden they become big things. One, one little offense that could have been easily removed by a conversation can become an anchoring point, a post dug straight into the ground to build a fence around. And, and the Bible says, let's just remove that right away. Keep short accounts. But the last thing in the last category that's been near and dear to my heart, in fact, I've, I've found freedom big time in the last couple of weeks in this area. And so I feel like I'm, I'm speaking from, from a, um, an emotional vulnerable place and a place of authority because God's really set me free in the second category. And the second category has to do with deep hurts. 
as I said before, the people that can hurt you the most are the people that you let in the most, the people you're closest with, most intimate with, and they can hurt you very deeply. And we all have examples of times when people have, have really hurt us. And those, those can carry a residual for a really long time. And there's no easy answers there. But, but I felt like the Lord really showed me something. And I want to I wanna pass it along to you. And it's this simple idea. And I wrote this down. And I, heard, I encourage you to do it. Don't stop until it's healed. Don't stop until it's healed. If you don't hear anything else I say in this entire sermon, hear this. Don't stop until it's healed. And what I mean by that, when I say don't stop, the problem with us Christians is we know the word forgive really well. That's what the whole Bible's about. Jesus forgave us, so we should forgive others. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 says, get rid of all malice, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. See, we get forgiveness up here. The problem with that is that we use it as sort of a trump card anytime something happens in our life and it's traumatic and we get hurt, that we use it to say, well, as long as I forgive, then I'm good and I can leave the situation and I can walk away. I forgave them. So something happens that hurts you deeply and you just kind of, you walk through a short season, you decide to forgive legitimately. We decide to forgive and then we think it's done. But it's not done, is it? The hurt that we experienced doesn't go away because we say, I forgive you. So anytime that person's name comes up, anytime you're in a situation that reminds you of them or the situation, it, 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 it comes up, it, it evokes emotions. And, and if you haven't dealt with it, it can be paralyzing. It can be traumatic and traumatizing. Don't stop until it's healed. Don't stop until it's healed. I recently had a, a cut on my finger and uh, it's on my ring finger. In fact, I'm not wearing a wedding ring today because of this cut. I don't know where I got it, but I, I got it um, two weeks ago and I was camping and all of a sudden I noticed like under my wedding ring that there's this like cut and then it was, it's been really dry here in San Diego and especially that week it was really hot and I just noticed because it was cracking, it was really dry, it was just kind of getting worse and so like I cleaned it out really good with like hydrogen peroxide. It was like really clean. I took my wedding ring off, and so I'm like, it's fine, it's good. You know, I've had lots of cuts on my hands. It's going to get better. I didn't do anything other than clean it really good. And like a couple of days later, it just started getting worse. And it's like the worst spot for it, because you're always moving your finger, and it's sort of hurting really bad. And I remember telling my wife, like, gosh, I, I don't know what the deal is, but this, this cut like won't go away. And she goes, oh, well, you should try putting Neosporin on it. And I'm like, Neosporin? I don't I don't need Neosporin. It's just a cut on my finger. Like, it's fine. She's like, fine. So I go another day and I'm like, man, it's like literally getting worse. It's starting to hurt more. And, and, and the, 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 the cut's actually spreading because of how much I wiggle my finger. It's like spreading. And it's like starting to look really bad, like red. 
And so again, my Heather's like, you should probably use Neosporin. And I'm like, geez, I don't know why I'm so stubborn as a husband, but I'm like, okay, fine. Where's the Neosporin? So she gives it to me. I put it on there. I put a Band-Aid on. I am not exaggerating when I say the next morning I wake up, I pull the bandry off and it's literally like my finger went from like looking pretty brutal to almost healed instantly. I mean, in 24 hours, that, I don't know what's in Neosporin, but my finger just, it looked, it was like, you, it looks like it's just healing. It was moist and not cracked. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a fan of Neosporin. And I felt like the Lord said to me, some wounds don't just heal on their own. Some wounds, they do heal. You get a cut on your arm, a cut on your hand or whatever. And if you leave it and you clean it out really good, you give it some air and it'll be fine. But there are some wounds that they don't just heal on their own. And if you leave them, they will either get worse or they'll still scar really bad and unnecessary, unnecessarily. And so what we have to understand when it comes to those deep offenses, those deep hurts, is that if we leave them and we stop at, oh, I forgive you, and we walk off, and we have this giant offense that we've created, not only are we living in a really small, confined space, but it's not going anywhere. And this offense, it is rock solid. And our wound that we have it's not going anywhere. And all, all the while, I'm living in this offense, and I'm like, you know what? I've forgiven you. I've done what the Bible says, and so in Christ-like love, I love that person, and I've walked away, and I've chosen to not do anything else, not address it, not work on the, 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 the hurt in my heart. I've just moved past it, and we are living with a gaping wound on our hand justified by I've forgiven them. And this is not how God created us to live. If you envision the cross, and I want you to do that right now, just behind me, I want you to envision the cross. You notice that the cross isn't just a single beam. It has a cross beam, doesn't it? Because Jesus died for this. And this is what I want you to understand. And that's why I say don't stop until it's healed. Because Jesus died to reconcile us to himself and us to one another. This right here is every bit as much about the cross as us to God. The reconciling, healing power of the cross. And I have experienced this in my own life. And I want to contend for you. Don't stop until it's healed. I, um, I want to uh, land the plane with a story that, that happened to me. Because like I said, I got healing in my own life in this area. And long story short, a number of years ago, we, we had an experience at a church that was just really hurtful. And we felt like the way that we were treated by some um, was just, was wrong. And we ended up leaving the church and it was just, just a, one of the most painful things in my life. And, and looking back, there was a lot of things I could have done different and um, in this process, I've tried to own my part and all those things. But at, but at the end of the day, I, I was hurt more deeply than I actually remembered or actually knew. And I don't know if that, that relates with you, but sometimes when we're hurt so deep, 
we don't even know how deep it is until years later when we, when we try to dream again or we try to risk again or we try to have a relationship again and all of a sudden all those things come flooding back and we realize, oh my gosh, I actually have a gaping wound and that, that hurt, that offense went, goes deeper than I thought. And that was one of these situations and so this was a number of years ago. And I've forgiven, and I've moved on, and I've tried to do all the things. But at the end of the day, I was still stuck. I was living in a small space, and I, I, I didn't know how, how to get out of it. I wasn't trying to harbor a fence. I've forgiven, but at the end of the day, I was still stuck on the inside. And Jesus, in his goodness, he, he wants to give us opportunities to get free. And sometimes we recognize those opportunities and we take them and sometimes we don't. And this was one of those opportunities for me. So about four weeks ago, my wife tells me, hey, uh, a friend of ours is having a baby shower and this shower is being put on. It's a couple shower, so it's guy, girl. And the couple shower is being hosted by this group of people that really hurt us. But this couple is some of our dearest friends that we've been friends with for a really long time. And they invited us to come to this couple shower. Well, like I said, the group of people that are there at this couple shower are, are a lot of which are people that, that we haven't talked to in a long time and it's, and it's hurtful to even think about. And so Heather asked me if I was going to go and I'm like, no, I'm not going to go to the shower. That's, like, I, I've moved on, you know, we're good. I've forgiven and it's just like, that's unnecessary. And so Heather's like, well, I think, I think we, it'd be good to go. And I'm like, no, it's fine. We're not going to go. So then like a week later, she brings it back up again. Hey, um, I haven't RSVP'd yet for the shower. I know you said you didn't want to go, but I, I want to give you another opportunity. I really think you should go. And I'm like, babe, like, I don't, I don't want to go. And she goes, well, I think we should go. And so she caught me at a weak point, And I'm like, okay, fine. We'll go. RSVP. Well, this was like a month out. All the while knowing I can cancel last minute if I want, right? So the week comes. And leading up to that week, it was just a really long week. There was a lot going on. Like legitimately, I had every reason to cancel to go to this thing on Saturday. The event was on Saturday. So Saturday comes and I had like a preaching engagement that night. And I had multiple messages to prepare for. It's been a really long day. So the events like from three to five come any time in there. Two o'clock, I'm floating in my pool, just tr trying to relax for a few minutes um, in the middle of a crazy day, right? And Heather walks up and she goes, hey, babe, um, I'm going to go to the shower. So I'm going to go upstairs and, 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 and get ready. And then I'm going to leave in 30 minutes and you can come if you want. So again, I'm laying there floating in my pool going, okay, of course I'm not going to let my wife go to this shower, face all these people by themselves. So yes, I'm going to go. And I have the worst attitude. So we get in the car, argue the whole way there. We're like, I'm like, babe, this is going to be so dumb. I don't even know why we're doing this. Like I've moved on. We're fine. I, you know, like love these people, forgiven everybody. Like I, I just, there's nothing good that's going to come from this. And she goes, well, it might be really healing. And I'm like, it's not going to be healing. This is going to be the worst thing ever. So we pull up to the car, to the house. I literally have the worst. I'm throwing a fit. 
So we get out of the car. We walk in the front door. Everyone's in the backyard. It's a huge backyard. Everyone's in the backyard. Well, we showed up at like four, and it was sort of a come and go as you please, but we didn't get the memo because apparently everyone got there early. They're already circled up around this couple praying for them. So we walk up to the front door, walk in. No one's seen us at this point. Well, I'm, I'm standing at the back uh, a slider, looking at the backyard, watching all these people, all of which I know, all of which it's very difficult to, walk, to see them right now. And, and I was like, I was this close to turning around walking away. And I mean, literally, Heather and I said, like, we can just leave now. This is so awkward, and I so don't want to do this. We can literally leave because no one's seen us. But thanks to my amazing wife, who's more godly than me, she's like, no, we're doing this. So I mean, I've got butterflies in my stomach. I put my sunglasses on because, you know, no one can see you when you wear sunglasses. So I put my sunglasses on, walk out the back door. Like I said, they're all circled up praying. I sit I literally sit down, literally sit down um, in the back of the circle. And I'm like bowed my head, just hoping God, no, no one sees us. And I'm looking up. And you know what I'm thinking when I looked up and I looked at everybody praying? You know what I'm thinking? These people don't want me here. These people, they don't even like us. They would wait. They're, they're going to they're gonna think the absolute worst possible scenario about us. We should just literally leave. I, thought, I had this thought, leave during the prayer. They still haven't seen you. Leave during the prayer. And in my mind, my imagination is wiggling this offense deeper and deeper and deeper into the ground. My imagination has run wild and I have built a fortress around this thing and all the while I am digging this deeper and deeper until this thing is so solid in my imagination about what everybody thinks about us and do you know what happened most profound thing the prayer ends and everybody in the circle treat us completely opposite of what I had in my mind they were so kind they were so loving. They demonstrated the love of Jesus in such a profound way. They came over and gave us a hug and said, it was so nice to see you. And can I tell you, the imagination in my mind that I had built up, this offense that I had allowed the enemy to drive deep into the ground was instantly dismantled because the goodness of God was in effect as people began for the next two hours to love on us and smile at us and be kind. And I realized suddenly that I had allowed offense to take place, hurt in my heart, and I had justified it because I said, I forgive. Where have you done that in your life? Where have you stopped short of healing? and not been willing to allow Jesus to work on your heart simply because you said, well, I forgive, so I'm going to move on. And I'm going to move on to this really small, suffocating place that I built for myself. Rather than the pasture that God created us to live, the large place. And so I want to say this to you. With, I want to say this to you with the, the fence post, the offense some of them go deep. Some of them hurt really bad. And just like 
unearthing, I don't know if you've ever taken a fence down, but unearthing uh, a fence post is really fun. If you've never done it, you should try it. But it takes some serious wiggling back and forth. Put your shoulder into it. Boom, boom. Sometimes I've done like flying kick. Bam. And you just little by little, you unearth that thing. Boom, boom. Sometimes you take a sledgehammer to it. Because it's in concrete. Some of these things have taken root. Some of it's because of our imagination. Some of it's because people have done things that are really hurtful. And it's a combination. The enemy uses that. And those, those things go so deep. And so don't give up until you're healed. See, you wiggle that thing. And you put your shoulder into it. And you go, no, I'm not living here. I'm not living bound. I did not, was not created to live behind a fence in some small little place. And so we wiggle that thing and until we get free. And eventually you put your arm around it and you lift up and you get it out of there. And it's such a freeing feeling because all of a sudden as you're living in a broad place where there's no fence, there's just rolling hills, pasture as far as the eye can see this is how we were created to live. And I just want to say this, that like I recognize that not every situation ends like mine, where, where the other party involved welcomes you with open arms. In fact, oftentimes they're not sorry. Oftentimes they'll do things that are even more hurtful. And I just want to say this. I want to remind you and I want to remind me, Jesus never lived a day in his life as a victim. He never lived a day in his life confined in a place, in a small space with an offense wrapped around him. Why? Because our power and our freedom is not dictated by somebody else. I get to walk in healing Based on the goodness of God, he is my healer, not somebody else. I don't need somebody to say sorry. I don't need somebody to smile at me. I don't need somebody to make the first attempt. I just need the goodness of God and the healing of God to allow me little by little. Come on, don't give up till you're healed. Come on, let's, let's hit that thing. Let's bump it again. Come on, keep wiggling it. Don't give up. You're unearthing the hurt and the offense in your heart. You may not unearth or bring healing to the relationship. Some relationships are never going to get back together because that requires two people and you can never control somebody else. You know that. All you can control is you. And so we're working on the fence post. We're saying, you know what? I'm not going to live another day until this heal- I get healing. I'm going to unearth this thing. I'm not going to live another day just staring at that fence post, pretending it's not there because I said, I've forgiven God's called us to walk in freedom, in wholeness, in a broad place. And from somebody that's been bound by a fence for a number of years, justifying it because I said, I forgive you. I want to say there is freedom on the other side. And sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes unearthing that thing is multiple steps. And oftentimes, the Holy Spirit will give you an opportunity to do something. Oftentimes, the Holy Spirit will give you an opportunity to take a step that's really uncomfortable, doesn't make any sense, and you have every reason in your mind to say, I'm not doing that because I'm the one that got hurt here, and they should be taking, they should be taking initiative to me. They should be calling me. They should be saying sorry to me. And so I'm the victim here, and I'm going to lay at this pool, and I'm not going to get in. I'm going to lay here for 38 years, and I'm never going to get to that pool because all these people 
are against me. That's the enemy talking. And what I want to say to you is take control back. And you say, as for me and my house, we're not going to live another day with offense. I'm not going to live where my soul is corrupted by hurt, by bitterness. And so every day, I'm going to take my shoulder to that fence post until it's gone. And I'm trusting in the work of the cross to do that in my heart. And I'm going to be free to love others. I'm going to be, be free to give them a broad space to live like I have. And you will see the love of Jesus flowing out of your life. And you will find that you're more open to adventures. You're more open to intimacy and relationships. You're more available to take risks. Why? Because you're not living in a small space. You're living in the green pasture that God created you to live. Father God, I thank you for this moment and for every person that's listening that recognizes today that offense is very real and alive and well. And we can easily get stuck in a place where we've allowed little things to stand in the way of the way that we view others. That we can sometimes entertain the lies of the enemy and the way he hijacks our imagination to build up circumstances and to view others in a way that's not consistent with the way they are, but we're seeing through a fence. We can't see clearly. Holy Spirit, would you dismantle that fence today? Those deep hurts that are fence posts, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would begin the healing process that we wouldn't give up until it's healed, that we wouldn't stop until it's healed, that we would unearth those things and walk in wholeness and freedom. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have an awesome rest of the Sunday. And we'll see you same time next week.